0: Macworld Podcast number 158 for April 22nd, 2009, sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is the leading provider of downloadable spoken word content with over 50,000 titles. Get a free audiobook for your iPod or MP3 player now at www.audiblepodcast.com. Macworld. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Breen. When last we met, Ben Long and I talked inexpensive point-and-shoot digital cameras and nearly as inexpensive pocket camcorders. And from near and far, Twitter nerds clacked on, Hey, I thought this was a Mac podcast. What's with all the cameras? And rightly so. We barely touched on the Mac. To make amends, this episode of the Macworld Podcast is devoted to the Mac and the Mac only. And not only the Mac only, but the Mac mini only. And this is so, not simply because the $599 Mini is the only new Mac a lot of people can afford in these troubled economic times, but also because we're writing a lot about the Mini this week at Macworld.com. MacWorld senior editor, Dan Frakes, for example, is the guy we now turn to when we need to crack open a Mini and upgrade it, and that's something Dan did this very afternoon. He and I will count his digits and recount his experiences. Additionally, this week, we're running a series of articles written by yours truly about configuring the Mac Mini as the ultimate-ish media center. Later in the show, an international panel of guests questions me about the process. But before we get to those questions, a little news and commentary. On Monday, Microsoft announced that it will end support for Office 2004 on October 13, 2009. This means that Microsoft will release no new patches, security fixes, or updates for that version of Office after next fall. Microsoft has a, quote, support lifecycle, unquote, policy, where the company supports a product in this way for a little over five years. Just as a side note, Microsoft made an exception in the case of Windows XP. Kept trying to kill it, but Vista turned out to be such a disaster that Microsoft has kept XP on life support. When Windows 7 ships, as it's expected to later this year, and proves to stink less than Vista, we can expect XP to disappear as well. I'll be the tiniest bit sorry to see Office 2004 go. I still keep a version of it around because I occasionally need to use Office documents that contain macros, and as you're probably aware, Office 2008 doesn't support macros. But I also have a certain sentimentality about it. It's the last version of Office that was required for my work. When I turned in copy that would appear in Macworld Magazine, a Word document was the format we are expected to use. When Office 2008 came out, there wasn't the usual waiting period to make sure it was ready for primetime, and then the missive from above that now was the day we all switched over. With 2008, it was more of a, oh, you want to use that? Okay, well, just make sure you save your Word as a doc file rather than docx. You sure you don't want to use something like Edit instead? And I think that tells us something about Office's place in the world and the way that world is changing. At one time, Word, Excel, and PowerPoint were it. Sure, there were other Word processing spreadsheet and presentation applications out there. But if you wanted to do quote-unquote serious work and share that work with people on PCs, the Office apps were the way to go. In the last several years, those Mac users who are averse to Microsoft products but need their file format for the sake of compatibility have been pushing solutions like OpenOffice and its spin off NeoOffice. But I sense we're nearing the end of that trail, at least as far as Word goes. Because in my work world, which increasingly is found online, we deal in plain text and codes. And in that world, Word is elephantine and bloated. I honestly can't recall what Word 2008's marquee features were, but I'm pretty sure they do nothing for the kind of work I do now. Instead, I use a text editor, bare-bones bbedit. It's fast, uncluttered, and it carries the tools I need to quickly and accurately format my work for the web. When I return to Word for a special project that requires it, I feel like I've moved from listening to my music library on an iPod to jacking a cassette tape into a Sony Walkman. It just seems outdated and clumsy. At one time, Microsoft pulling the plug on Office for the Mac was a very scary proposition. Without Office, the Mac might have been written off as a business-incompatible computer. In some businesses, that's still the case. But I suspect the reliance on Office has waned. And as long as Microsoft pursues more features and more bloat in Office, it will continue to wane. So, farewell to Office 2004. By the time Office 2008 is put out to pasture in 2013, I wonder how many of us will care. Now, Dan Frakes and I discuss upgrading the Mac Mini. I'm joined by Macworld senior editor Dan Frakes, who spent the afternoon upgrading a brand new Mac Mini. Dan's done this job before with older Minis, and I thought it would be interesting to hear how different and difficult the process was. So thanks for being here, Dan. Sure. Glad to be here. Let's start with the most important question How many fingers do you now have? (laughs) Well, despite,
1: I mean, besides the one I broke, Playing basketball a couple of weeks. Yeah, ago. yeah,
0: no, no. That is sports-related okay. injuries don't right. count. This is simply a computer. So you just injury. mean
1: related to the mini, exactly. Okay. Um, the the other nine are all still there. So okay, I'm, and I'm, did I'm,
0: this exacerbate the problem with the uh, tenth?
1: Um, well, no, actually, I, it was easier than I expected, so it wasn't too bad.
0: Okay, so so let's start at the beginning. First of all, why upgrade the mini?
1: Well, when I reviewed the Mini earlier this year, I guess it was back in February, early March, mm-hmm. um, I was lamenting the fact that the, uh, the 799 model is a relatively poor value. Uh, you know, with the older Mini lines, the, uh, when, you, when, you, when you upgraded, say, from the 599 to the 799 model or whatever it, it may have been at the time, um, you got a lot more features. You got a better machine. Uh, but this time around, the 599 model is pretty much identical, except it's the, uh, a smaller hard drive and it has a little less RAM. So you're spending 200 dollars for what is essentially, you know, 100 dollars worth of, worth of parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're so inclined and technically savvy enough to do it, uh, it's a lot cheaper to, to, to buy the lower end one and upgrade it, or, conversely, to, uh, uh, to get better machine for the same price. So you can get a 599 model spend $200 in, in, in extras, and get a machine that's actually better than the 799 model. So, uh, so that's the justification. Uh, the other route, which we'll probably get into later, is to buy this 599 model, and have Apple upgrade the RAM, and then buy an external hard drive. So you don't really have to do any upgrading yourself, and it's still a better value. But, right. but for those people who really just want to uh, have everything self-contained inside the Mini's case itself, uh, if you're able to do the upgrade, it's a, it's a much better way to go.
0: Okay, so what tools do you need to do this?
1: It's really, you don't need much. You need a, a small Phillips screwdriver. Uh, no special, you know, Torx heads or anything like that. Uh, you need something that's good, just a little thing for prying things off here or there. Um, I use, newer technology has a nice little um, uh, a toolkit that's about, I think it's like $20. It has a bunch of screwdrivers, Torx, Phillips, and flathead screwdrivers, and some, they call them pry tools, which are little Plastic tools for prying things that don't actually scratch or scrape. Uh, but you can use a flathead screwdriver. <clears throat> and then, of course, the putty knife, which is the, uh, the tool of choice for all Mac Mini upgrades uh, to get to actually get inside the case.
0: Any particular brand of putty knife that you recommend? <laughs> you know,
1: I, I think as long as you have one that's thin, that, that's the key. Some of the, the, the bigger ones are really thick, and they, won't really, and they won't fit in too well. So you need one that's, that's fairly thin so you can actually slide it in the little gap between the, the plastic bottom of the Mini and the metal. And a metal enclosure.
0: You know, I found too, having done this that it's a good idea also to have a putty knife that you haven't actually used with putty.
1: Yeah, that's you know that does help. Uh, and it also keeps your your uh, your, your mini free of old. Uh, either you wet putty or, you know, if it's been a while, uh, putty dust everywhere.
0: Yeah, you do. Because I did. I had that caked on putty dust, which is <laughs> actually really hard to get off. It, it and uh, yeah, I was trying to crank it and I went, oh, this is probably not such a good idea. So um, yeah,
1: yeah. if you're into Mac Mini upgrades, I recommend just going out and spending the $3 on a uh, on a putty knife just to use with your Mini.
0: Okay. So give us a rundown on what you need to do to get into this thing.
1: Well, the the biggest thing, and it's the one that, that gives most people the heebie-jeebies is the fact that you have to stick a putty knife into a crack around the, the the mini and just start prying it off and 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 not be afraid to break something because you really if you do it right and unless you go in there and start you know hammering away with a with a, a hammer to to get the putty knife in there, you're not going to break anything it may feel like it but you, you essentially just have to, to pry a little bit as you go around and each time you pry you'll you'll hear a few pops as the little clips inside. Um, it could detach from the uh, the lip that they connect to and then you just kind of work your way around and as you do it the 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 insides of the mini will pop up from the uh, from the, the enclosure and uh, it you know, as you're doing it, especially the first time you do it, it's really it's nerve-wracking because you think you're breaking stuff and you're like, oh, my God, I'm just going to destroy my 600 or $800 computer here. Uh, but it really, you know, I've done this with three or four minis now and I've never broken anything. Uh, and this last time, I, I, I just kind of dove right in and I was just, you know, cranking away without any regard for the safety of the mini. And, and it's, I didn't even get a scratch on there. I think the biggest risk you really have is just scratching the mini when you're putting the putty knife down in the crack.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I've done this a couple of times, too, and you're right. The first time, it's scary because it makes these nasty-sounding noises. <laughs> like, uh, But then when you actually step back and think about it and understand that Apple will, will do this at the at the store right. when you purchase it, they haven't got any other way to do it. I mean, they maybe have an Apple-approved putty knife that they're using, but I'm sure it makes exactly the same noises yeah. when they're in the back room.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean th- this is what like you said this is what Apple's doing too and if they're not breaking these things every time they they open them and chances are they're going to be a lot more reckless than you are because they're doing, you know, how many of these a day or in a week and so they're probably just going in there trying to get it over with as fast as possible. So you figure if they're going in there with abandon popping these things off left and right, you you know you're going to be okay if you're the least bit careful.
0: Okay. So you've got the cover off the thing. Now and what happens then?
1: Well, once you've got the cover off, um the the only thing you have to worry about then is there are three antennas on the inside. Uh, I, there's Bluetooth, and then I believe there's two um, two for wireless. Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong on that, but I, as I recall, that's what they're for. But uh, each of them is connected by a wire, and each of them is on a little post. And before you start doing other things inside there, you want to take those off. And uh, and uh, they just pop right off, and then you want to keep the springs handy so you don't lose them. Uh, but... Those, uh, th- those are the only things you really need to worry about catching on something or pulling, mm. uh, but they come off pretty easily and uh, you and I were talking before we went on that with older minis there was also there was a fan cable that you had to worry about and and even the the antenna cables and the antenna pieces themselves um, they they either did, weren't supposed to come off or they would accidentally come off, and you'd close the thing back up and you'd be like, "Wait a minute, why is my fan at going eighty miles an hour here yeah. uh, with the new ones it really there are many Few, there are far fewer places along the way where you can screw up badly and, and, and close the thing up with things not connected. Um, and there are fewer places where you just feel like it's going to break if you do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it, uh, may, maybe it's just the you know the luck of the draw that when Apple redesigned these things, they just turned out that way. Or, or maybe it's feedback from their repair people who said, you know, we got to make it easier to do this and make it less likely we're going to break something. But they seem to be much better designed now in terms of, being able to take it apart and put it back together without having to worry about breaking stuff.
0: Yeah. The one thing, one issue I ran into when taking mine apart is I managed to unhook one of the antenna cables and it's not a big deal. It's not soldered on there. There's a little tiny button connector, um, but it's so small that it took me about 10 minutes with a magnifying glass to line the thing up properly and and mash it down so it clipped in. But, but other than that, yeah, not having that fan cable is nice because both you and I have, have done this in reassembled it and then heard the fan running and thinking, what? What oh. Oh yeah, go back through the instructions. Oh that thing. We have to put that back on. Did you have any particular resources that you referred to when doing this or did you just go in there and say, oh that looks good. I'll get that.
1: Well I did I did actually look at um whenever I open one of these these things up, even if it's one I've done before, I always want to just take a look at the, the steps involved first. And you know the two resources out there that are really good. One the one I've traditionally used has been iFixit, fix it. And they <clears throat> you, 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 they have a, a menu system where you go through and tell which Mac you're upgrading and then what part of that Mac you're upgrading, whether it's the RAM or the hard drive or, or what have you. <clears throat> and then and it gives you a, a several-page summary of, of, the, of the process, and it shows you pictures, uh, you know, tells you which screws have to be removed when. And these are great, and I've used those for lots of things over the years. Uh, on the other hand, this time, the one I used was uh, Otherworld Computing. Ah, uh, They actually have videos now that they've put up, and they're they're great because they actually show you the entire process. Mm-hmm. And it's um, you know uh, step by step. You can watch someone else doing it. You can see that putty knife going in and exactly how you have to to leverage it to to pop out the bottom of the mini. And uh, even if you're comfortable doing this, it's a great thing to look at because they actually catch those little things like. Be careful of this clip underneath, or be careful of this wire and uh, and this is how the easiest way to pop off this antenna and and it really makes it you know almost a no brainer as long as you 're comfortable with tools
0: right okay, so in the uh do as we say not as we do department, did you do anything to protect against static electricity
1: yeah, sure um,
0: <laughs> of course D- doesn 't everyone everyone uh, does so you had a grounding strap on if you want to know
1: the truth. My grounding strap, which I've had since the days of, uh, gosh, I don't know, I, I must have bought it back in like the early '90s. Um, it's one of the nice ones that it's really nice. You know, it's one that you actually plug a, an, an electrical cable into the wall, mm-hmm. you know, the grounded wall connection, yeah. and then it and then it plugs into the cable, which the gun goes around your wrist. Um, really nice one, and it's um, up on a shelf uh, in storage that I couldn't <laughs> get to without getting out a ladder, and uh, I was lazy. Yeah, so I did not, um, and you know, and I I thought about it several times, and each time I said, "Man, that's a long way up to get that ladder and get that down," and I, and, and so I didn't, and uh, and but so do do as I say and not as I do. And,
0: well, well, the benefit we have too is that we live in California, and so we don't really live in this sort of static rich yeah. climate. There are certain places in this country and around the world that you definitely do want to use a, a grounding strap here not so much touch a piece of metal don't shuffle your feet on the shag carpet and uh,
1: you're yeah I, I did i did touch you know the the back of my my desktop computer where you know they say it's grounded and it's it's you know the power supply uh, but i did not use a grounding, grounding strap which i should have and so don't don't listen to chris and i dear listeners you should you should ground yourself just be safe
0: so were there any particular difficulties in this job? I've, I did the RAM in mine. I didn't do the hard drive because I wanted to use an external drive. But how is the yeah. hard drive getting out?
1: You know, it's actually not difficult at all. Uh, you know, for the RAM, after you've taken off the lid and you've taken off the antennas that we mentioned earlier, there are four screws around the, uh, the, the, each a corner that you take out. And that lifts the whole basically the whole guts of the machine off of the, the, the plastic bottom. And once you do that, the RAM is fully visible it's just mm-hmm. you know pop it out pop the new one in the hard drive itself just requires a few more screws you you flip that piece over and uh take out the four screws holding the hard drive in place uh there's a a little temperature sensor which is probably the trickiest part um that's that's taped with this that little adhesive that mm-hmm. apple uses on everything the orange to, right to the back of uh of the hard drive itself and so you have to take that off, and then when you, when you put the new hard drive back in and replace those four screws, mounting screws, you have to just make sure that you tape that temperature sensor back on so that the the Mac Mini knows whether the, the fans need to be on, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the hard drive was actually surprisingly easy, much easier than on some of the older Minis that I, I took apart. Uh, it was just a matter of another four screws, and it uh, was, was very simple. And what I did beforehand, of course, was I, I had an external drive case, so before I did the upgrade, I used SuperDuper and, and uh, basically cloned the existing hard drive onto my new hard drive, mm-hmm. which in this case was a, a 7200 RPM uh, Western Digital Scorpio black drive, which is a, considered a high-performance laptop drive. So I did the clone, and that way when I swapped the drives and I put the mini back together, it just booted up exactly how it was before, except now I had a bigger, faster hard drive.
0: So how long did it take you to do this?
1: It really it took me about only about 40 minutes to to upgrade the RAM and the hard drive and I was also doing a little bit of videotaping of it, of it for possible use in a macro video so I, I stopped a few times to adjust the camera and do a few things twice so that I could get a better angle for the video so it, I would say if I wasn't doing that maybe 25 minutes or so yeah not too long of course I've done this a few times I would say that if you'd never done this you know you should set aside a, an hour or so uh, but it's really not as difficult as you might think it would be.
0: Okay, so do you have any suggestions of what to do with the old hard drive?
1: Uh well, if you're if you're talking about the five ninety nine model, it's a hundred and twenty gigabyte slow drive, and so it's not really a uh, you know something you're going to use for a lot of performance stuff, and it's not probably not going to be big enough to upgrade anything unless you have an early early MacBook, since it is an SATA drive now. Uh, it's not like you could put in your old PowerBook G4 or something like that. Right. Uh, but if you've got an old, uh, or excuse me, an external case, you know, it's a good place to store media or maybe do some document backups. Whenever I, I go anywhere on a business trip or anything, I always take a small drive with me to back up documents, email, things that I'm, that I've, I've changed or I'm, I'm, I might need along the trip, um, extra copies of presentations. And you can get an a external drive case for one of these drives for $15, 20 now. So, I mean, there are definitely uses for it. It's not as useful as a as a big time machine drive or anything mm-hmm. since it's so small. But, but, yeah, there's plenty of things you could use it for.
0: Yeah, okay. So you, I mean, as part of this project, you had to do the RAM as well as the hard drive. If this were just for your own enjoyment would you have done the internal hard drive or would you have just stuck with an external that maybe is a higher capacity and use firewire
1: yeah i, I would have done the latter I, I think that's what you you said you were going to do as well yeah. um, when i when i reviewed the mini that's what i said is that for for $50 which is still a little expensive but it's reasonable by apple standards apple will upgrade the 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 599 mini 1 gigabyte of ram to 2 gigabytes so so for 650 you're getting Two gigabytes of RAM in the Mini. And then for, you know, so, so you're, you're still $150 cheaper than the 799 model. And uh, I went out, a, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a month ago, and I got a, a, a Seagate FireWire 800 external drive, a terabyte, for $130. Yeah. and uh, So still, for less than the 799 Mac Mini, I had the same amount of RAM, the same specs overall, except for the internal hard drive. But I had a gigabyte of external storage that's actually faster than the internal drive because it's a, a a FireWare 800 drive. And it's a desktop drive, too. So it's not a you know a, a 5,400 RPM laptop drive. So that's probably what I would have done if this was my own and I wasn't doing this for a project. I probably would have had Apple upgrade the, the RAM for $50. Or you know if you're like if you're like you or me and it's not a big deal to upgrade it um, for fifty bucks or, or you know eighty bucks I forgot exactly I think it was seventy dollars last week you could get forty four excuse me for seventy dollars last week you could get four gigabytes of RAM for the mini
0: yeah so, I got uh, I think I got four gigs at Crucial uh, for sixty
1: eight yeah see so so your uh, your best bet money wise. You know, If we take a step back and say, okay, and all other things equal, what's the, uh, and you, you're, you're okay upgrading yourself, what's the best way to go? It would be the 599 Mac Mini uh, upgraded to 2 or 4 gigs of RAM yourself from like Crucial or 1-800 memory or DMS or something like that, mm-hmm. and then buying an external FireWire drive. That's going to give you more, equal to or more RAM than the 799 model, much better performance because you can actually boot off the FireWire 800 drive Right. and get much better performance. In fact, when we, when we reviewed the Mini, we did benchmarks and found that that was actually the case. The uh, FireWire 800 drive will give you better overall performance than than the 799 Mini's internal drive. Um, and you still come in at quite a bit less than the 799 Mini. So it's a, that's the best way to go in terms of both performance and price.
0: Mm-hmm. So in the short time that you've had the upgraded Mini, have you noticed any difference in performance?
1: Well, I, I haven't had enough time to actually to uh to, to To do much with it, I mean, I just mm-hmm. did this yesterday afternoon, but we are sending it up to the lab to the Macworld labs, and uh, they're going to put it through the paces of our benchmarking suite so that we can actually see exactly the difference between uh, this newly upgraded you know uh, performance laptop drive uh, four gigabytes of RAM to see what they do compared to both the original five nine nine mini and the original seven nine nine mini and so we 're going to see the kind of of performance differences we're going to get. Uh, for, for most people, though, I would say that you shouldn't expect a huge difference mm-hmm. in most things. Uh, the hard drive, if you get a faster hard drive, you'll probably notice it more in hard drive intensive tasks like um, uh, video stuff where you're reading and writing from the hard drive a lot. Uh, the bigger thing will probably be the RAM, yeah. especially if... If you know, if, your, if your mini is just being used in a media center where it's running one or two apps all the time, you probably won't notice a difference. But if you're actually using this as your primary computer and you've got Word and, and, and Safari or Firefox running, and you're looking at email and you're doing all these tasks simultaneously, that's when you're going to notice probably the biggest performance. And, and upgrading the RAM is probably going to be the biggest, biggest performance um, jump you're going to see. Uh, and then, of course, just having a bigger hard drive always helps.
0: Yeah, yeah. You've upgraded a lot of Macs in your time. How does this one compare in difficulty to the other ones you've done?
1: <laughs> it depends on your point of reference, I guess is the easiest way to put it. Yeah. Uh, compared to uh, the current MacBooks uh, or, 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 a, or a Mac Pro, which you just open them up and everything's right there, it it is a nightmare. If that's your point of reference, definitely this is not something that you, you're going to say, oh, this is simple. On the other hand, if your background is in power Mac 8,100 or 8,500, um, a power book, um, 520, a, uh, you know, some, of some of these nightmares, a, 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 12 inch power, 12 inch power book. Uh, if the, those are your points of reference, and this is going to be a piece of cake because it, you know, some people look at it and saying, if I have to remove screws, that's, that's, you know, out of my, out of my leak. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, removing screws and putting the screws back together is is actually a pretty simple task I view, as long as you keep track of where the screws go. And some people have trouble with that, but that's the key. If you remember where things go, you're fine. The, the biggest issue, like we said, with the Mac Mini is just the feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm going to break this thing. Um, and once you get over that, it, it's, it's actually pretty simple. And that's one of the reasons I, I recommend watching those OWC videos is because once you see it, I mean, you can read about it on the iFixit guides or online or in, in write-ups on the web, and, and people say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Just do this, this, this. Uh, it's watching someone else do it on that OWC video and seeing how simple it really is is, I think, the key that makes it much, much less intimidating of a process. So if you're thinking about it, definitely go watch those. See what, you know, how they make you feel. And if you think, okay, I can do that, then you know, go order your parts and, and have at it
0: yeah I think that's good advice, particularly because then we're not liable so uh <laughs> if you look at the video and say, Oh, that looks really hard, I bet it really is hard and don't do it have some have a trained professional do it but um that is a good way to get a, a notion of how difficult something like this is yeah. going to be
1: or or even have you know if you've got a friend who's you don't necessarily have to have have to take it into a shop and have them charge you you know a hundred two hundred dollars to do it if you've mm-hmm. got a friend who's pretty savvy at these things yeah go buy' him, buy' him, buy him lunch someday and hand off your Mini and pick it up the next day.
0: Yeah, or have Apple do it when you purchase it. Sure.
1: Right for the RAM, sure.
0: Right, for the RAM, and don't worry about the hard drive. So I understand you're going to be writing this up for Macworld. Any idea when we might see that?
1: Well, we're just going to do a little uh, an editor's blog entry about whether it's it's something that you might want to do and a little bit of talking about the experience. And then, of course, like I said, we're going to talk about the uh, the benchmarks that the lab is going to do and see how much of a difference it really makes. Because, like you said... Having Apple upgrade for 50 bucks to 2 gigs of RAM is, is relatively cheap. It's still more than you're going to pay if you went out and bought it, the RAM yourself. But it's reasonable. It's not like it used to be where you're paying $300 for an extra you know, 512 megabytes of RAM. Uh, and so given that you can do that, and then you can just plug in an external drive, the, the question on this time around with the Mac Mini is, is it worth it to open it up?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So so that's what we're looking for, to see what the what the performance difference is and to see uh, to see uh, where the kind of the difference in cost and performance in is between upgrading and just adding on an external drive. And so we're hoping to maybe get up sometime next week or the
0: early the week after. Great. I look forward to reading it. Thanks for being here, Dan. Sure, anytime. And now before we talk about the Mac mini as a media server, a word from audible.com. Audible.com is the leading provider of downloadable spoken word content with over 50,000 audiobooks, magazines, newspapers, and more. Take them with you on your iPod or MP3 player. Transfer to CD or listen right on your computer. Get a free audiobook through the special offer at www.audiblepodcast.com slash macworld. That's www.audiblepodcast.com slash macworld.
2: And now the Mac Mini is a media server. I'd like to welcome Macworld's senior editor, Christopher Breen, who, this week, has been documenting his efforts to turn a Mac Mini into a media center. In an effort to more broadly appeal to our listeners from foreign lands, we've assembled a group of computers from across the world to question Mr. Breen. We'll start with the Mac from Spain. How many are they? This is a five-part series. The first
0: was about upgrading the Mini's hardware. The second part is about making the connections from the Mini, and that would be the DVI and audio ports, to the AV components, and that would be my AV receiver, TV, and that kind of thing. Also, I talk about configuring front row to access the media on the Mini's hard drive, as well as media on my computer network at home. Part three is about getting other kinds of media onto the Mac, and that includes ripping and converting DVDs, playing terrestrial and internet radio, and also receiving and recording TV shows. And then I look at third-party media playing applications, and those include Boxy and Plex and uh, XBMC. In part four, we look at controlling everything from across the room using Apple's remote, uh, one of a few iPhone or iPod touch applications, and a universal remote control. And finally, in part five, I sum up the experience, how easy it really is, what it costs, whether a Mac Media Center really is a replacement or at least a really good enhancement for your multimedia gear.
2: Modifications you make to the Mac Mini.
0: Mac Mini is a pretty capable little computer, but it's got a couple of significant problems if you want to use it as a Media Center. The $599 model, which is the base model that they sell now, has too little RAM. And the 120 gigabyte 5400 RPM drive has too little capacity. And it's on the slow side. So the first thing I did was I upgraded the RAM to four gigabytes. And upgrading the RAM is important for a couple of reasons. First, they give you just a single gig of RAM, which just isn't enough for modern computers. Apple definitely cheaped out on this one. And secondly, the Mini's graphic chipset shares the computer's RAM. So if you only have a gig in there, the graphics card takes 128 megabytes of that memory. If you put in 2 gigabytes of RAM, the graphics card then takes 256 megabytes, which makes it more capable. So what I wound up doing is I just purchased 4 gigs, which is the maximum for that computer, and I got that for around $68 from Crucial. Now, once I had the thing open, I could have upgraded the hard drive, too, But the little drives that fit in a mini don't offer the kind of capacity I wanted. So I opted for a 1-terabyte Firewire 800 drive, and I got that at Fry's for around $135 on sale. Natasha. I used a couple of $20 Extreme Mac cables, a DVI to HDMI cable for the video, and a Toslink cable with a mini plug adapter for audio, and that's the mini plug you plug into the back of the mini. And I connected both of those to my Ankyo receiver. My Panasonic display automatically recognized that it was connected to the Mini, and the Mini switched to digital audio output. So all that was fine. The whole thing was pretty painless.
2: Marie?
0: What's changed about doing this now and when I did it three years ago is the Mini itself as well as the kind of content that's available now. The Mini is a much more capable computer. Um, The graphics chipset, well, not incredibly powerful, is robust enough to handle the kind of media chores I was undertaking. And the processor is faster, so ripping a DVD, while certainly slower than it is on a faster Mac, isn't quite as deadly slow as it once was. If you use something like Handbrake on my Mac Pro, that takes about an hour to rip a DVD. On the Mac Mini, it's about three to four hours. So that said, if you're going to use the Mini for ripping DVDs more than just occasionally, I'd invest in Elgato's Turbo 264 HD dongle. This is an accelerator dongle, and it plugs into a USB port. It won't speed up Handbrake because Handbrake doesn't use QuickTime, which is what the Turbo dongle is accelerating. But if you use something like Mac the Ripper or RipIt to first unencrypt the DVD and mount it, and then convert it. In the Turbo 264 app, you find that the process goes much faster. The other thing that's changed, of course, is the kind of content we now have access to. The iTunes store now has a good collection of movies and a great collection of TV shows, except for HBO and Showtime, which are still slow about moving their shows to iTunes. And you can stream content from websites like Hulu and Netflix, if you have a Netflix subscription. And that's pretty cool, particularly in this lousy economy. Now, I don't know what you're paying in France for your TV, but my satellite TV bill is over 80 bucks a month, and I just don't watch enough TV to justify paying that kind of money. I mean, I watched Lost, and I can get that from ABC.com, and Hulu and Comedy Central sites have a lot of that programming, and YouTube is now streaming older TV shows if I want to catch up on something really old. And although Netflix streaming content isn't very extensive, uh, you can find something to watch most of the time. Now, where some people are going to have problems is with sports. If you're into baseball, you can catch games on MLB.com, but that's not a great solution if you want to watch local games because there are blackout issues. I'm more geek than jock, so honestly, I don't care that much about sports. I'm happy to listen to the Giants on the radio, but if you're the kind of person who's planted in front of the TV watching game after game on the weekend, a Mac Mini isn't going to be the perfect solution for you for a sole media device. Oh, software. I started by configuring Front Row to watch and listen to stuff on the Mini and the other Macs in my house. Now, you can use Safari to browse websites and get streaming content there, but one of the goals in doing this was to avoid the Macs interface as much as possible, as it can be confusing for kids. For that reason, I also configured a few Media Center applications, including Boxy, Plex, and XBMC. These are all applications that put slick front ends on streaming and local content, and they're all free. In terms of getting glitches fixed, I found that Boxy has the edge, uh, but Plex and XBMC are really good as well, and it's worth your while to get all of them and then you know, check every so often to see what new features have been added. For ripping DVDs, I tried a variety of things. Handbrake certainly takes the longest, but in some ways it's the easiest if you have the time. All you have to do is plunk the DVD and start the rip, and you just go away for a few hours. Fairmount, which is an open-source application for mounting DVDs on the desktop, so they're unencrypted, in combination with the Turbo 264 HD app or Roxio's Toast is faster, but it's a two-step process, so you have to wait for the DVD to mount enough for the Turbo app or Toast to see it, and that can be about 20 minutes on the Mac Mini. And then you have to tell Turbo or Toast to rip it, so like I say, handbrake, while slower is easier because you just have to do one thing and then you can leave. For remote control, I used a Logitech Harmony remote for dealing with the AV components and a couple of iPhone applications to control the mini. The first application I used is called Air Mouse Pro, which slaps a virtual keyboard and trackpad on the iPhone or iPod Touch. Like a lot of these things, you have to install a server application on the Mini for it to work, but it really does work remarkably well. You can control just about anything on the Mini. Another application called RoMode puts an interface like Apple's hardware control on the iPhone. The difference is that you can use RoMode to control a vast number of applications on the Mac. For example, you can control Boxy or Plex, VLC, just about any multimedia application that's on your Mac. And there's also the BOXY remote application that lets you easily
2: navigate through BOXY. Giuseppe? Is there a compromising quality? May I just interrupt to say that I don't believe you spoke a single Italian word, but rather just spoke English with a very poor Italian accent? Hey, what do you want for free? The audio sounds great, as good as any standard AV component that you'd plug
0: into your receiver. The quality of streaming radio depends, of course, on how good the stream is. Ideally, you'd sort your radio streams in iTunes by their bitrate. So play streams that are 96 or 128 kilobits per second, and you'll be happy enough with what you hear. Not joyful, by any means, but the stream is certainly listenable. DVDs look fine, so you can toss out your DVD player unless you have one that upsamples really well, or one that doesn't care about region coding. Meaning that the Mac limits you to five DVD regions, so for example, if I... Put a Region One DVD into my Mac Mini, and that's for the U.S. Says, so "Okay, good. You want to be a Region One player? Fine." And then I get a DVD from England, and I put that in. That's Region Two. It says, "Oh, you want to switch? Okay, we'll switch over to that." Well, what you get is five switches, and if you use those up, it locks to the last one, and then that's not such a great idea. A lot of standalone DVD players don't have region coding um, protection built in, so if you have one of those and you watch DVDs from around the world. Stick with the uh, standalone player, I think the quality of the iTunes store's standard definition video, whether it 's movies or TV shows, looks really good on my HD TV honestly i can 't see why anyone would pay extra for HD content from the store, particularly given the extra time it takes to download HD plus the extra expense. The streaming video is definitely not pristine. Think VCR quality or a little better. You definitely see artifacts on your big screen and lots of artifacts when there 's a lot of motion. And that's another area where you may not want to trade in your cable or satellite box. In addition to better selection on those things, the video is definitely better as well. On the other hand, I grew up with black and white TV with sometimes snowy signals coming in over an antenna. So when watching streaming content, I try to keep that in perspective. If I want really great quality, I'll try to get HD over the air. And if that's not available, I'll put the DVD in my Netflix queue and watch it when it arrives. Or I may rent or purchase something
2: from the iTunes store. And I'll finish. After all this, what do you think of the Mac Mini as a media center? It's a whole lot closer than it was three years ago. Streaming
0: content, the iTunes Store, and the iPhone remote applications make a huge difference. I've had it running this way for a couple of weeks, and I'm very comfortable with it, and my family seems to like what I'm able to bring into the house with it. It's not quite easy enough for my daughter to use without some coaching, but it's getting there. Streaming video quality could be better, but that's ultimately up to the people providing it. As those streams improve, so too will the quality of the Mac Mini as a media server. Now, what about the Apple TV? I own a couple of these things, and I really like them. Apple TV is still easier to use, but it's a closed system. Apple really wants you to use its content and nobody else's. And that's where the Mac Mini Media Center shines. I can get the content I want from anywhere I like, plus have access to Apple stuff. I hope Apple moves the Apple TV in that direction. Do that, and it would be a pretty awesome
2: media device. Thanks for joining us, Chris. We look forward to reading your Mac Mini as Media Center series at MacWorld.com. Thank you. And now, back to you. And that wraps up this edition of the MacWorld Podcast sponsored
0: by Audible.com. Audible.com is the leading provider of downloadable spoken word content with over 50,000 titles. Get a free audio book for your iPod or MP3 player at macworld. I'd like to thank Dan Frakes, Alex, texttospeech.imtranslator.com, and of course you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-520-9761. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac, iPod, iPhone, Apple TV, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. Thanks very much for joining me. See you around.